0: Topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now, welcome Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co host Becky Yu.
1: Welcome to episode 220 of the Naturally Nourished Podcast. I am so glad to be back in Texas after spending some time on the East Coast, and I want to give a big shout out to Brady Miller for pinch hitting as a co-host.
2: I heard he made it, it was pretty good. Two episodes. Yes. Sometimes he had a little <laughs> bit of that intonation. I'm Ron Burgundy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay, dude, we got to re-record that. Oh Oh my gosh. This is a statement, not a question or something like that. He did just fine.
1: I even do that in more 200 plus episodes.
2: And last week's episode was really great. We got so much feedback on the DVOC and updates in all things with the pandemic. So if you missed that one, it was so good, in fact, that we gave ourselves a break and didn't record actually last week so we're one week off uh which is a first we usually do a bunch of pre-recording but life happens as it will and um, again if you listen if you missed listening to episode 219 go check that out it has updates on disinfectants and the vaccine and you know just kind of where things are with lockdowns and how we can best navigate health and medical autonomy in a time of you know qu- questionable medical freedom so it's a really fiery one and although Becky I think if Becky was there maybe it would have just been too hot untouchable. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, maybe good to have neutral it semi-neutral <laughs> except when he kept giving me eyes like are you really saying oh that? my gosh <laughs> yeah but here we are so,
1: what are we talking about today, Becky? So, today we'll be diving into three things that can destroy your health, um, as well as paying homage to keto with some of the reasons and updates of why we love the high fat, low carb lifestyle. Because I think most of us are looking at this time of year anyway, you know, to clean up the diet and, get a little bit more structure in place for 2021. And with the way that 2020 went, I think that's so much more relevant right now.
2: Most definitely. And the three things that will destroy your health are, well, one will be probably not touched by many of our listeners, but still a good reminder to be up to date on what's happening in that world. But the other two are ones that we love talking about, and we're going to get a deep dive today on... Uh, industrialized oils and linoleic acid in particular, talking about omega-6s, which many people doing keto, if doing more of a dirty keto or a processed food keto are still getting a lot of these refined inflammatory fats. So remember, not all fats are created equal and we'll harp on that a lot today. And then one of my favorite topics, non-caloric sweeteners. So yes, We yep. have to go there.
1: <laughs> um, before we dive in, let's just give listeners a couple of updates. First of all, I think um, speaking to where has Ali been on social media? Let's let's talk about that and maybe give the update on Instagram things.
2: Yeah, so we're just working to navigate and understand the updates in terms of service. There was a pretty uh, big update as of December twentieth, and it hit uh, harder on accounts that have more than twenty thousand followers. So I'm just trying to navigate my personal privacy and the safety of my family um, because it is looking like if i'm going to be using my phone device and camera and microphone for stories and more day-to-day impulsive engagement that that also opens up um, opportunity for my camera to be used when not in the Instagram app. Um, And this type of service can be used to notify you or remind you to put on a facial covering if in public, for instance, not wearing one, even if not dictated by, you know, your region, your governor, Um, the gods of Instagram want to make certain uh, claims and such. And so I'm just feeling a little bit wanting to navigate. And so what I think I'm actually going to do is get a what's called a light phone. I'll, I'll report if I do purchase this model. It's a uh, kind of pricey dumb phone, if you will. And so it doesn't have any internet service at all. It does have the ability to hotspot. So I can, if I need to like grab my laptop and do some work on it. Uh, otherwise, it's just literally like phone calls, voicemail, an alarm clock, and text messages. So I'm kind of excited about that freedom. Both Brady and I are looking with kind of lifestyle change and getting into the idea of optimal, as always, going into a new year, things that we want to change and improve as a family. Both of us are really looking to reduce our phone screen time, and um, I think that this is a great opportunity to spearhead that. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking going forward that I will just continue with featured posts on my social media. So that'll be on Instagram and Facebook. And these will be kind of more curated. It will also help me to have that freedom and structure. So, you know, we'll kind of keep with the structure of supplement promotions and uh, giving pull quotes from podcast episodes and providing still some inspirational stuff and random snapshots, but they might have been taken three days prior versus, you know, more in the moment. Um, And then I'll be able to strategically upload that from a safe public space versus my own device. And uh, I think that as far as what we will really miss, what I will really miss is the more engagement and organic sharing as well as also like the DM conversations. So I'm looking at right now opportunities on alimillerrd.com where we can help Becky and I more in like a live chat forum, can address your quick questions. Um, because again, also this is looking like a big liability where the direct messages would no longer be owned by me. And that puts my medical license at quite an extension of risk factor to make recommendations on you know mm-hmm. your child's fever or what's going on um, if someone just recently got infected with COVID or whatnot. Um, I'm always very passionate about sharing free information, but it's looking like the social media platforms aren't the place to do that any longer since I'm already on a blacklist. You know, I have to just kind of watch my ass, if you yep. will.
1: So stay tuned. We'll be updating y'all. And, and I think this is all a good thing, right? I mean, you said you deleted Instagram about a week ago now, and yeah. it's been really freeing. I, know, I don't for even know you guys. where my phone is. That's amazing. Yep. <laughs> Incredible. And I think 2020 really became, like, we had talked, I think, going into 2020 about, like, being more present, getting off of the phone, plugging it in in another room, and then pandemic hit. And I think both of us have been glued to those updates 24-7. So
2: it'll be liberating. Totally the opposite goal. And a lot of those things, like I wanted to have chickens by March. Well, that didn't happen. But we've made strides. And um, Brady and I actually just closed on a property west of austin and the hill country and so we will be building kind of a homestead type thing running on rainwater and all sorts of fun stuff that i'll be sharing with you guys that will come into fruition this uh coming year so all Mm -hmm. part of the process just you know life kind of went into shock mode i think with everything with the pandemic and now we're taking those strides of intentional purposeful living as we all should and here we go this is just one of them and sometimes it helps from external pressure invading your privacy (laughs) to make you say you know what screw it and the cool thing is the podcast will always be available and this will always be your unfiltered avenue for truth and um we're grateful to be able to provide this resource for you guys yeah and instead of three chickens you might have 20 chickens so I can even have five horses. Okay.
1: Um, And then another really great way to stay in touch and, and up to date on all things that we're doing functional medicine and especially all things keto would be through our keto program. So starting January 6th, which is coming right up around the corner, we'll be launching our next live program. And I, for one, am very excited to be back in a live format since I missed
2: out on the last go around with my maternity leave yeah and you know what this time becky you should totally do the breastfeeding protocol and we should you know like kind of live monitor how you're doing if you're noticing any I changes do that. I'm,
1: I'm ready to mm-hmm. get back into
2: perfect keto. timing <laughs> No, it'll be just over four months yep. so everything's kind of rock and roll there and uh yeah so what's really cool about our 12-week program it's six live classes every other week and we're doing these at noon, I believe, uh, Central Standard, and they last about 75 minutes in length. And the class is not just about keto. In fact, it's really about helping you to redefine your relationship with food. We deep dive into topics like dysbiosis and leaky gut, uh, determining what food sensitivities are and how to do an elimination diet how to reduce autoimmune flares, we talk about inflammation in general, we talk about neurological conditions, we focus on the HPA axis, which is that fight or flight response and the connection of The adrenals and the thyroid and the sex hormones we hit on detoxification and so much more so this is really you know from any level we've had physicians nurse practitioners we've had uh, nutrition therapy practitioners take this course and really find this as a way to accelerate their health coaching and this can even be of course for people that just want to personally improve their health or those of their their household Uh, we give you various protocols so within the protocol tiers is our fast track which is the most aggressive the steady and sustain which allows a moderately aggressive approach especially for those that still want to maintain intensive exercise or live a high stress lifestyle then we don't let you go into that fast track and then we even have a heal maintain and gain for individuals that are dealing with let's say amenorrhea like they lost their menstrual cycle and are looking to get it back from crash dieting or from lifting or you know body lifting or body competition we have people in the heel maintaining gain that have had multiple sclerosis and are looking to build back their muscle density in their body uh, we've had people that are recovering uh, following chemotherapy or during cancer treatment so you know there's a huge vast array of various needs and um, from weight loss to wellness and everything in between and then even within those protocols we have phases so we start at a tight phase one which is the highest carb restriction and we fluctuate all the way into a phase 1.5 and a phase 2. These are comparable to what I use in the anti-anxiety diet. And so phase two, we teach you about carb cycling, um, and really help you to navigate what your metabolic flexibility is. Because again, the name of the game is using food to empower you to feel amazing in your body and really determining the flexibility so that you can experience food freedom.
1: Yes. And then beyond all of that, we offer unique supplement discount codes for everyone in the program for the duration that you're in the program. Um, we also are going to offer again, lab discounts, some pretty significant discounts, especially if you're looking to do something like the MRT or even just a basic wellness check with our micronutrient panel or a cardiometabolic panel. Um, and then we've moved from Facebook as our, Kind of chat forum over to Slack, um, which I haven't been super active on yet, but um, we will be, you know, on there every day moderating and and seems like an easier way to get questions answered and share information, kind of streamlined and not worry about all of the Facebook BS that's going on.
2: Right, again, you know, getting onto more of a private network that we can share without filtration and um, any. Uh, interference in our own privacy and so i think that that's really helpful a lot of people were giving feedback that they didn't want to be on their facebook Mm -hmm. app just to get access to our group forum and so this is really great and it also has The ability to break into channels or categories which is awesome so we have a section completely devoted to supplements we have a section completely devoted to keto and intermittent fasting or macros and fasting we have one on hormones and then you know general functional medicine as well as digestion and recipe page so it really helps to navigate for users to really Um, make best use of that avenue and i would just say before we take our ad and jump into today's episode if you love what becky and i do if you want to learn more about more about functional medicine if you really want to take your health to the next level this is the opportunity to do it, and this is the best price point that we have available for this level of access, engagement, and um, really just, I would say, next-level information for sure. So check it out, Allie Miller, RD slash ketosis hyphen class. Yes. All righty. it starts January 6th, so hope to see you
1: there. Cool. All right. Let's have a quick break for a word from our sponsor for this episode, Wild Foods.
2: All right, so Wild Foods, y'all know we love as a pantry staple company. They put quality and sustainability and health into all of their products, and they believe, like us, that real food can function as medicine. In fact, so much is so that they've partnered with us for an exclusive discount when you use the code AllieMillerRD, at checkout at Wildfoods.co, that's .co, not .com, using Allie Miller RD at your checkout will give you 12% off your order, and you can select from any of our favorites, including m- bulk amounts of wild harvested turmeric. Our favorite matcha on the market, their wild matcha is ceremonial grade stone ground green tea leaves. So of course, you're going to get much more, 10 times basically the amount of antioxidants that you would get in regular brewed green tea and 10 times the nutritional density, as well as L-theanine, that modulator for our brain chemistry, aiding in concentration and focus. They have things like cacao butter, which would be a great thing to purchase going into Valentine's Day, doing like some white chocolate fat bombs. We have some lavender white chocolate fat bombs on the blog and um, they also blend really in as a dairy-free uh, fat ad for your coffee using that with like essential oil like peppermint essential oil and then they also have wild fair trade cacao so just to use the cocoa powder as well um, great combinations and on the vein of cacao you have to check out their cocotropic this is their nootropic blend which has anti-inflammatory wild turmeric it has maca which is a adaptogen for the pituitary aids in libido and aids in hormone balance there's reishi and chaga mushroom extract as immune modulators and supporters and anti-inflammatory support and then that all comes with that base of cacao and it can be sipped on like a hot cocoa it can be blended into cold brew coffee and it's a really fantastic mood enhancer as well as relaxer and um, you know mental stimulator so really good blend of wild harvested antioxidant rich ingredients in the cocoa tropics And then they have just fantastic teas as well. So go on over to wildfoods.co, use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout, and you will get 12% off your order.
1: Yes, I just used their wild vanilla powder in the cupcakes I made for Noah's 100-day celebration yesterday. Um, And it's so, so good and has just such a different flavor than that like alcoholy vanilla extract. Oh yeah, totally. All right, let's do this. So this episode originally was supposed to be our 2020 food trends recap, and we kind of quickly realized that 2020 was just not the year for any great food trends um, that we were excited to talk about. So instead, we've decided to cover today, like we said, three things that will wreck your health and then go into a little bit on keto. So jumping right in. Um, and I think this one might get a pretty long rant from us. Um, cultured meat grown from human cells. (laughs) What?
2: Yeah, Uh. this was shocking. So, I mean, we've, we've talked about, and we've, discussed the meat alternatives, especially in the episode 162, when I talked about meeting the CEO of PETA. And uh, that was within our holiday gift guide, but a half of the episode was devoted to a vegan rant. And that's when we really broke down the Beyond Meat versus Impossible Burger, and I thought that the Impossible Burger was pretty much as creepy as you could get in the world right. of Frankenfoods, with that like soy—it's a, a genetically modified soy hemoglobin, basically, mm-hmm. soy ligand, le- hemoglobin, le- 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 lemoglo- <laughs> or something—and it's
1: supposed to bleed be, like blood, yeah, analogous mm-hmm. to blood,
2: mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and um, you know, so the, we've we've also covered rebuttals bottles on. Veganism and the impact of that on the human body as well as our personal journeys. So we have for resources for y'all episode 42, which was Becky's first episode. What? Yes. Uh, transitioning from vegan. And Becky and I both shared our personal stories. Then we did On Its Heels, episode 51, What the Hell, <laughs> which was a rebuttal to the documentary at that time, What the Health. And then um, we even did, I thought there was another one on Game Changers. Yeah, I, I not it was the, 165 is the All one within that, that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, 165 came after that holiday gift guide, vegan rant, then we did um, the uh, vegan diet, uh, a win for the processed food industry. And that's where we broke those down even further and, and hit on the updated documentary of that year, Game Changers. Uh, So we have a lot of content out there for you on our thoughts and feedback. And the big picture is that we want to get closer to eating whole, real foods. And there is just not as much nutrient density in animal in a biological form than we would get in a plant form. And we did also talk about this a little bit with Paul Saladino on episode 195 of the Naturally Nourished podcast, where we talked about his book, the carnivore code. So Becky and I have talked about how, you know, the importance of eating organs, for instance, for things like CoQ10 and B vitamin density, the importance of bone broth you can't make. We were talking with, yeah. um, you know, our, our yoga teacher, for instance, um, she was dealing with some gut stuff and we were like, oh, well you could do a three-day bone broth, uh, fast. And she's like, well, could I do a vegetable soup fast? And I was like, well, no, <laughs> you're not going to get gelatin and nope. collagen and L-glutamine. I mean, you could get a little bit L-glutamine from cabbage, yep. but- Cabbage soup it just going to smell for, like a big old fart for and, three days when you're dealing with
1: GI distress. Doesn't sound amazing. <laughs> no,
2: no. So there's just things that you cannot get from plants that we need from animals. And biological sources of, of, you know, complete protein is definitely one of them. But then there's also all of these therapeutic nutrients that come in the forms of amino acids as well as in the forms of other compounds and then nutrients themselves. Sure. Um, And yeah, I would say this is a big trend and kind of a
1: a misdirection in the food industry in general, but you just sent me this article from Veg News about the demand for vegan meat spiking 200% in Thailand and China by 2025 Um, and seeing that this Industry or this sector is expected to grow in terms of the plant based meat market by about 25% to a $1.7 billion industry in the next five years, which is pretty wild.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, we're talking about chemical companies that are on the Mm -hmm. forefront of these industries of meat analogs. And that's really important to note. You know, so DuPont has a nutrition and biosciences component of that of that um company and they've been developing their own plant-based alternatives to, to really capitalize on this market starting in 2019 and you know one includes an egg an egg white replacer and then they also have a texturized soy based meat and they have the Danesco Planet line um like P L A N I T and this provides ingredient solutions for companies looking to develop plant-based products. So this is a huge industrialized market and again it goes back to a chemical shitstorm versus a whole real food. We're talking about eating oils versus eating nutrients that come from the sun and the soil and and this is a very big difference in the impact down the line on human health totally and and it all goes back to you know comparing an ingredient
1: label for something like the impossible burger versus just grass-fed beef as a single ingredient that is unprocessed totally Um, And then there's that element, too, of transhumanism and and playing God, especially when we're starting to talk about human cell culture and the creepiness of that, or even using, you know, bovine cell culture or chicken cell culture, which is being done in this industry already. The human stuff is brand new and not approved yet, um, but there are other companies kind of vying for, you know the first ones to be able to create a a lab grown steak and it's happening before our eyes. Well,
2: yeah. And I mean, we could argue that GMOs really and patenting seeds was the first play of the transhumanism influence on nature, right? Because what we mean by this is human trying to play God and using science or artificial intelligence like, Uh, innovations to outsmart nature and I use air quotes when I say outsmart because as we know you can never outsmart nature we talked about this in episode 208 one of my favorites of 2020 with uh, it was called Wild Fed with guest Daniel Vitalis and we also talked about it just recently with Joel Salatin Uh, you know this idea of he said something about you know Nature isn't something that you have to wrestle to the ground. Mm. Nature is a benevolent lover. And when we move towards trying to claim human stamp and scientific stamp on nature, when we're modifying genetically organisms, right, and not labeling them, that's the, that's the, the biggest concern that I have with this is, you know, the, the GMO labeling movement is not, is it, Becky, is it not nationally mandated at this time still? No, now it is. It'll, but it'll say, um, cause I just saw a product like a Pepperidge Farms or Pepperidge okay. Hill, whatever cookie that I had in my pantry. I was, I was using the product for a TV segment. And so I finally was like, oh, I, I don't need to hold this. And, you know, so it had industrialized oils and, um, it stated on there, you know, the sugar, uh, corn or soy based products, from this may be used from genetically modified sources, you know. But how long were GMOs in the food system before we actually got to the level of mandate? Right. And how educated are consumers to look for that? And if eating in a restaurant, there's no notation of whether GMOs are being utilized. So does this mean that if cell cultured chicken gets on the menu, that anytime you're eating chicken, it could be cell cultured? Right. Because just be it's going to be identified chicken. as chicken. Right. Right. Mm. It's so creepy to think about. And, you know, especially in
1: the restaurant industry and, and just the, you know, processed kind of junk food industry in general, we're always going, you know, faster, cheaper, and that ends up being dirtier too with the ingredient
2: list. Oh, bar none. I mean, if we're just talking about ultra processed foods, you know, anything that has been significantly altered is going to have a higher link to obesity, ill health, uh, higher mortality, you know, and so when we're looking at food intake recall, which isn't always the best, but we do substantially see an an, an increase in those that eat ultra processed food um, with cancer, with obesity, with um, various forms of diabetes and metabolic disease and so much more. And so we really tend to identify the staple ingredients of concern to be vegetable oils so processed industrialized fats and an excessive refined sugar and you know unfortunately the fake meat movement and the analog of moving away from whole foods really puts a higher demand in these higher ultra processed you know companies um, or or the monetization of them and so we're starting to build industries And this does away with farms, this does away with diversity, and this is very concerning for sustainability and just quality nutrition in general. Totally. And I think it was episode 165 we kept saying like, oh, these,
1: you know, big ag companies need somewhere to hide all of these, you know, byproducts and, and soy and corn and, you know, high amounts of corn syrup and things like that. And they found the, the right. vegan um, diet to be a really good place or the vegan product industry to be a good place to put them.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So let's dig into a little bit how this uh, cell culture works, because again, I, I think something that I don't want in my body Uh, And I would like to most definitely ensure that we can stay on top of this for all listeners and just anyone that's passionate about whole, real foods. So so, there's a couple different mechanisms, like Becky mentioned. Uh, Some of the human cell steaks and, and other products that are coming to market, not on the market yet, but are being researched, will actually have a grow kit that you would order and you will swipe your your buccal cells or the the cheek human cells from inside of your cheek or there's other alternative options which use fetal bovine serum so i'm thinking the vegan market would rather do their own cheek of I guess. cannibalism right over the you know cow bovine serum and or there's also options of serum from donated blood like from blood banks yep. apparently yep. they're considering in in various countries Um, So this is definitely, in some sense, cannibalism because you're eating someone else's DNA, right? A human's. Um, And then they use various uh, forms of, like, mycelium scaffolds or soy scaffolds to inoculate and grow. Um, So I think quite creepy. (laughs) Anything you want to add to that, Becky? It's
1: just dystopian, the idea of being able to, like... (laughs) grow your meat in your own home. And then I thought it was super creepy. Um, one of the companies has this, um, kit that again, like these are not on the market yet, but hypothetical kit called our steak or our steak. And it's named after a snake that eats itself tail first. So that's like the symbol for the company. Um, so essentially Mm -hmm. cannibalism, um,
2: just super creepy yeah I, I yeah, i can't I can't get into this. i I can't I, I can't do anything with it. And any way, shape or form, I do believe that this cell culture is the creepiest for sure and the closest to this transhumanism of like, oh well, we don't need nature. we don't need soil. We're just gonna do this. Um again, as we talked about in past episodes, then what does that do for reproductive health and so many other areas where we know cancer, for instance, highly tied to DNA mutations and such? I just cannot get on, cannot get on board with that, and I'm even still not on board beyond the lab growing. Sure. The imitation products are again just highly processed, and simply don't serve optimal health in the body. Anything else you want to add on here, Becky? I mean, not not more than that, but I mean, there are
1: there are several companies. I saw um, lab grown shrimp potentially oh my coming out. The um, just egg company or they're responsible for the I think they're called good meat company mm-hmm. or good meat co um responsible for the just egg product that's on the market if you go on their website they've got all kinds of stuff about cell cultured chicken um and FAQs about these products that are coming to market um i also remember when i was researching for that episode 165 being on their website and seeing things about them using the fetal bovine serum so even if we are vegan or vegetarian we want to think about that as you know that's not an animal free product right. um they're right. st- still using animals and you don't know how those animals are are treated even if they're not killing them they may be doing muscle biopsies and things like that that are quite painful and you know, not using the whole animal.
2: Right. And I think it's important to note that the environment argument, I think a lot of the arguments could be totally deconstructed as far as choice for vegetarian or veganism. Because, you know, we've seen that a lot of these, again, analog, I'm I'm not even going to get into the cell culture, but a lot of the analog products, so whether they're soy, corn, again, industrialized crop, highly processed in the manufacturing and high ingredient list. So they are procuring ingredients from all over that these companies can actually have greater environmental harm than organic grass-fed beef production. And then you can take again grass-fed production to a higher level. We're talking about there's been research on white oak pastures, you know, Diana Rogers has the book Sacred Cow and she talks a lot about regenerative agriculture out here. In Fredericksburg, we have Rome Ranch, you know, the guys from Epic. And you can actually sequester carbon using regenerative agriculture. You know, so you can actually take in the manure emissions, the the soil carbon capture, the vegetation carbon and miscellaneous farm activities, including even slaughter and transport, And you can still see that there can be a total negative carbon emission off of each kilo of fresh meat when done in a regenerative model. And holistic systems can be six times more carbon efficient than your average CAFO, which is that confined animal feeding operation, which also breaks against nature. You know, that's how we got so much antibiotic resistance is when we moved from grass-fed, pasture-raised healthy viable animals that were living in the model of how nature created right and we put them in these confined animal feeding operations they started getting ketoacidosis they started from the high corn intake Mm -hmm. they basically started getting (laughs) diabetes um, which wasn't reported but that's how you get ketoacidosis so they were going from eating grasses and making protein these ruminants into corn and grain fed, getting fatty liver, having acidity breakouts, and also getting bacterial infections. So we started giving them prophylactic antibiotics, which got into the water, which created superbugs, and just a total, you know, dramatic impact, runoff of soil because we're not sequestering it, and and worse. So when we break the model of nature, we don't get ahead. We end up, you know, really harming the initial area where we made that impact. And so I think that the the best thing we can do is hopefully continue to educate individuals that are doing vegan or vegetarian, if doing for certain spiritual choice, that they still stick with whole real foods and that in the long run we can still show them that you can have regenerative agricultural models that are more sustainable, are compassionate to the animal and provide them life um, and also can be substantially more nutritionally dense and can support a sustainable food model. Totally. Small family farms. And yep. that's where you vote with your dollar. Yep. And ultimately, we want to stay away from giving
1: these large corporations control over our food supply. Because if we're talking food shortages, that's how you get them, is you know giving a large corporation control of what's going in your body. Most definitely. Most definitely.
2: So let's talk about as one of the elements here. Maybe we're going to call this the second thing. Um, So found in a lot of these products, but now I want to kind of transition into linoleic acids. Uh, we, I don't, I think we're past due for an entire episode on just like our favorite fats. Sure. Because I feel like that's a common question that I get from people and we can unpack a lot of that right now for sure. Um, because I do want to hit on as the second thing that will destroy your health industrialized oils. So yes, these could be found in these products like, you know, beyond meat is actually 80% linoleic acid. Um, and canola oil is used in the impossible burger and you know, that's about a quarter of its makeup. So we can definitely see high levels of linoleic acid in these industrialized products, but we can also find them in protein bars. Some of them might have the word keto on them, you know, um, and a lot of like the slim shake, the slim shake, slim fast shake products. And so forth a lot of the fats Mm -hmm. that you're eating even if a keto macro are going to come from these omega sixes
1: yeah and even looking into some of the new guidelines i think for whole 30 they've started to allow some of which i was really surprised to see um, canola and safflower oil on their kind of pass list especially if they're in like a salad dressing or something like that um you know i would much prefer olive or avocado
2: oil <laughs> most definitely so yeah let's kind of define what these so so when we're talking about unsaturated fats there are mono unsaturated fats which mono meaning one bond that's unsaturated and then there are polyunsaturated fats poly meaning many bonds Um, and so there are omega-6 fatty acids omega-3 omega-9 omega-12 and this is just basically where those bonds are located where they're unsaturated and polyunsaturated with many unsaturated bonds are going to have more opportunity for oxidative stress or oxidative damage. And so when these fats get oxidized, they become rancid, and they can have much more of a harmful influence on our metabolic health, on our DNA, on our mitochondria, and really all of our cell membranes, the way that our you know our cell membranes are bilipid. And so when we have unhealthy oxidized damaged fats making up our cell membranes, the way our cells function and communicate with each other and with our body is not going to be optimized. So the concern with the omega-6 fatty acids is that these tend to be kind of an inverse operator to omega-3s. So beyond the fact that they're polyunsaturated and have more of an opportunity for oxidative stress, the omega-6s are more pro-inflammatory, where the omega-3s are more anti-inflammatory. And when we think of the movement of the paleo mm-hmm. diet, this was really founded in this idea that hunter-gatherers you know, had only about two to three grams of linoleic acid or omega-6 fatty acids in their diet per day. And now we're seeing like 10 to 20 times that consumed in the standard American diet or the industrialized diet, if you will. And that's because we're expressing from these tiny grass seeds, these oils as cheap alternates. And so that's where we're seeing things like canola oil, safflower oil, Um, And a lot of these additives, like Becky said, finding their way into our any products, cereals, breads, uh, protein bars, salad dressings, and so much more. And so the idea is, you know, really reducing those industrialized fats and cooking with more of the saturated or unsaturated choices where possible. And then if doing different forms of polyunsaturated, finding a good balance and not allowing it to become dominant in these omega-6s. Yeah,
1: maybe let's break down like some of the highest sources of that linoleic acid um, and then talk about, I guess, our favorite alternatives or what we keep in our households and you know, newsflash, it hasn't really,
2: hasn't really changed. Right, right. So when we're looking, yeah, it hasn't. Um, And and that's a good thing, I think. I mean, in many ways, we try to evolve and stay on top of upcoming trends and such. But there's things, again, that just stand the test of time. And we always go back to ancestral trends of traditional foods. So as I talk, like, with high fructose corn syrup or with non-caloric sweeteners, how you need, like, a Breaking Bad lab to extract if you've ever watched the documentary King Corn, um, they show you know the entire process of making high fructose corn syrup, but also how to even extract the oil from that grain. And there's a lot of bleaching, there's a lot of centrifuging, there's a lot of toxic um, you know, byproducts that are used in this extraction, and a lot of the crop itself tends to be high GMO as well. Yep. So a lot of residual pesticides and
1: all kinds of yucky stuff in there too.
2: Yes. So before we get into kind of the health impact on linoleic acids, uh, you mentioned, Becky, what are the highest sources? Sure. Yeah. So in commonly consumed f- food products or food oils, um, corn oil and sunflower oil are quite high. Sunflower is at 70 plus percent of its composition. So it's actually, I think, one of the highest in the diet. Is that right? Yeah. And then corn and soybean are on its heels with 59 uh, percent of its uh, makeup of corn oil and then 56 in the soy oil Uh, and then cottonseed oil is also in the high fifties and um, then we will see some high amounts of concentrate in uh therapeutic oils and so i would just note again just like everything there is a balance and so we're talking about source and you know mechanism of action if you will things like evening primrose oil Um, when we're talking about gla um, that's gamma linoleic acid right and so you are going to get for gla we think of hormone balance and we especially think of in like the perimenopausal population or you know transitioning into menopause helping with things like hot flashes uh, helping with estrogen balance in the body GLA tends to be very powerful tool and so that EPO or evening primrose oil is 74 percent but it's not coming from something like if you're doing borage oil um, or pure EPO Likely you can get organically um, and cold pressed Mm -hmm. uh, versus something like the canola, corn, um, and soybean oil, which are generally going to be GMO more than, you know, more than 90% in some cases of those crops are GMO. So that's a big element there that I would note out. And an EPO, evening primrose oil, would really be used as more of a supplement approach versus any staple in the diet. When I'm looking for GLA for like skin health in general or for more like Teens that are transitioning hormonally, I often will actually have them eat more hemp seed or use cold pressed hemp because that provides a good balance of these forms of fats, you know, without having that inflammatory factor. Totally. And
1: ultimately coming from a real unprocessed whole food. And you mentioned sunflower oil, which I think I'm seeing a lot more on even, you know, the paleo and grain free products, unfortunately, um, making the ingredient list.
2: Yeah. I think it's important to call out that that's the highest, right? At 71% of its composition. So we tend to think, oh, well, I've seen what a sunflower seed looks like. I've eaten those. That makes sense to be able to get the sunflower oil. And I I would say it's probably, it's, I would say most definitely it's less percent genetically modified than these other ones and, and less extraction likely process pretty easy to press out because i know those those seeds are quite sizable Mm -hmm. they're not as tiny but still we'd want to be mindful that that's going to throw off that omega-3 omega-6 balance yep
1: so something to watch and at least keep in moderation um let's go into maybe just a couple of the ways that these processed oils harm our health maybe starting with inflammation
2: sure so um, there's actually a lot of work that i saw done by an ophthalmologist dr chris knob and he has looked a lot into you know degenerative diseases and eye health and he really claims that virtually all chronic metabolic and degenerative disease including age-related macular degeneration are predominantly caused by the influx of industrial vegetable oils in the diet So he states that you know these omega-6s especially and these high industrialized forms of these vegetable oils can trigger mitochondrial dysfunction so your mitochondria is the energy factory in every cell of your body and that can exacerbate or drive disease process So we'll link some of the big studies that highlight this. Um, And then, you know, we'll see an influx of inflammation in the body most definitely again when omega-6s especially run dominant over omega-3s. And this can drive up things like your C-reactive protein. This can drive up insulin resistance. Uh, this can drive more oxidative stress and deplete antioxidant status in the body. Um, any other kind of big aha things, Becky, you want to know? Um, damage to our
1: endothelium or the cells that line our blood vessels is a, a big one. And that would be a key contributing factor in you know, cardiovascular disease.
2: Yeah, and I think what's important to note is that when we're talking about having sources of glyphosate in these oils, so especially the canola, corn, and soy oil, those would be the really big ones to watch for because, again, the majority are from genetically engineered or genetically modified crops— there will be, remember that toxins are stored in fat. And so there will be a substantial impact of the glyphosate, which is that neurotoxin from these GMO crops that will impact our um, influence when heated or cooking. So even worse, so we can see higher amounts of oxidized LDL particle, which can drive heart disease. Um, We can see a really impact on um, cyclic aldehydes, which can interfere with our tau proteins so we can start to see some degeneration in cognitive health and in brain health when we're looking at these processed vegetable oils as well, which I think is worth noting.
1: Totally. And then you mentioned the mitochondrial damage and, and, you know, back to the ophthalmologist, the eyes are a very robust, you know, place where there's a lot of mitochondrial, um, expression in, in your eyeballs or, um, a lot of energy factories in your eyes yes. to do with vision.
2: Yes, most definitely. And one of the mechanisms of the mitochondria that I thought was interesting, um, so there's uh, cardiolipin, which is a component of the inner membrane of your mitochondria, and it needs to be saturated in omega-3 fat, specifically DHA, which we think of as that brain boosting, in order to proper functionally. Um, and, and so if it is saturated in less or in an omega-6 instead, um, there's not going to be optimal function. And then we can start to see cancerous or uh, foreign cellular growth um, dysfunction within the cells because we won't get the signal of apoptosis, that feedback mechanism that um, something is off in the body.
1: Totally. And and we see, you know, high consumption of these omega-3s as well, inhibiting removal of senescent cells. So that autophagy that we're always talking about, being mm-hmm. able to, you know, remove from the body these aged and, and damaged cells um, that we get really good impact, you know, with keto and intermittent fasting. But actually consuming these inflammatory oils can inhibit our ability to do that.
2: Yes. And then not only can they tox our body with the glyphosate residue and interfere with neurological processes. But we can also see a stripping from our liver production of glutathione in the consumption high consumption of vegetable oils, which can then lower your body's ability to make antioxidants. So really wild um so i would say high in your priorities of new year's resolution (laughs) do another pantry audit you know you don't know what came in during pandemic and if you were buying some of those you know canned food products or freezer meals or Mm -hmm. whatnot definitely comb for the i would absolutely say canola corn soybean oil and also i would watch out for that sunflower oil creeping in and really just all those industrialized fats including safflower oil and so much more yep
1: and and product labels you know product formulation can change over time so some of your favorite products unfortunately that maybe used to use full olive oil might now be cutting with canola or soybean or adding that safflower or sunflower and could even still be wearing like the whole 30 sticker so really really crazy goes back to reading your ingredient labels and um, what are your favorite fats that you're using right now? Yeah, I wanted
2: to touch on that before we go on to the third thing that will destroy your health. So uh, my favorites are still lard and I have various forms so I'll have a little bit of beef tallow. I have um, some leaf lard, pork, pastured pork leaf lard right now. And then I will rotate. I like Epic and um, Epic brand has duck fat mm-hmm. as well as uh, pork lards. So that's like a you know grocery store option for you. As long as it's pasture raised or grass fed tallow, All good things, you know. So it's interesting, a lot of people don't know that lard itself is actually highly monounsaturated. Mm -hmm. So the composition is not 100% saturated fat. It's actually less than 50% or right around the 50% threshold. And so a lot of the fat is monounsaturated. uh, Works really well when searing uh, meats. So that's kind of my go-to for like cooking proteins is some form of lard. And then I also love a extra virgin cold-pressed olive oil. I use that majority in my salad dressings or cold finishes i do use the chosen foods which is what's now at costco uh, avocado oil and i will use their spray as well Um, the spray does not have any propellant in it um, and so that's pretty cool we're not adding any of those volatile organic compounds And also there was a recent release of avocado oils that actually consume, excuse me, contain canola oil and Chosen Foods was one that did test to be 100% avocado. So I was happy to see that. We were worried about that. Yeah, (laughs) so I do use that. And often I'll, like if I'm roasting cauliflower, I'll do a blend. So I'll do like um, avocado oil with a little bit of olive oil and I, um, you know, will then still roast it because that avocado oil will help to coat and protect. So you won't get as much of that oxidative damage. And uh, let's see, that's kind of the big ones, butter and um, excuse me, ghee are also fats that I'll use and then coconut oil. So um, I generally just use an extra virgin coconut oil because again, I'm going to be blending that with avocado oil if I'm roasting like sweet potatoes or something like that. Uh, And those are the big ones. Coconut butter I use in baking a lot, but I don't really use that in cooking. Right. Um, so yeah, all things that we've been talking about on here
1: forever. And I think that is, you know, speaks to the test of time with all of these products and, and, you know, that they're coming from Whole Foods and being wary of like the new kid on the block, even like the ghee oil that I'm now seeing or like butter flavored ghee infused oil or something like that, where they're, you know, taking butter and making like a sprayable or pourable, um, and it's just still shelf stable from some of these brands. Those will also have some of those other oils cut in there. So you have to be mindful and and go for the real deal.
2: Right. And or emulsifiers or anti-caking or stabilizers or you name it. Uh, And I was just going to add on the oils. I do use uh, pretty minimally, but when calling for sesame oil, for sure, as a cooking oil, if I'm doing something Mm -hmm. like Asian profile. Uh, So I'll keep like an organic sesame oil and then an organic toasted sesame oil and maybe you know use them not even once a month but just kind of depends on what i'm preparing sure and a lot of times those come in like the
1: dark glass bottles where the company is mindful of bottling it in a way that's going to be less prone to oxidative damage and again not a daily not a daily staple yes um and then within the world of linoleic acids too just to kind of highlight i know there's been some discussion of various protein sources as well, like looking at the diet of right. the animal you're consuming um, to ensure that that diet is, you know, it's natural diet and we're not adding a lot of grain and corn and soy byproducts for those animals because that'll change their fatty acid composition.
2: Most definitely. I mean, we've seen omega-3s can vanish from, you know, the Transition to feedlot, to feedlot uh, pre-slaughter, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or from the cows that are actually having some access to grass and then are going to a CAFO. How quickly those omega sixes, excuse me, omega threes really vanish and the omega sixes come up once they're being confined, fed grain, and so the lipid shifts of the human can be comparable to what we see in the animal based on their diet. And then when we eat that, we're going to get that source. And I would also note, so that's why we're big, big fans of pasture-raised, grass-fed, again, beyond the transhumanism and letting nature do its mm-hmm. thing and supporting all the other reasons, also for this omega-3, omega-6 balance. And again, that goes back to the ancestral diet. That goes back to this kind of hunter-gatherer, of how things were functioning. I would also note in the world of linoleic acid, I'm not as freaked out as someone like Paul Saladino in the sense of like... Let's talk nuts and seeds real quick because we're on it. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I really believe that these foods in their industrialized added and replacement for other whole food sources is where we get into trouble. So when we're eating processed products that have these added industrialized oils as Um, a part of the volume or weight or you know tongue feel or, or flavor or whatnot when it could be an otherwise whole food that's when we're really getting into drama or we're replacing olive oil like you said for the sunflower oil in a salad dressing or something like that I do think that these food sources in whole food in a balanced, diverse diet, have other health-supporting compounds. And so if we're talking about like the amount of omega-6 in, you know, cashews or, mm-hmm. you know, almonds and, and various nuts and seeds. Um, I think that there still are like plant sterol stanols that are beneficial in almonds. I think that there are great sources of fiber, both insoluble and soluble. And there's also vitamin E and other compounds that are going to be health supporting. So it's really about that balanced whole food approach. I don't think we have to freak out to the level of using these foods as maybe a condiment, but yet sometimes they become a heavy staple. Like I have seen people that go way too high with nuts and seeds in their diet And that can throw off their omega-3, omega-6 ratio. So again, it's just about kind of discerning how you're using these ingredients and at what volume. Totally,
1: and and always referring back to the whole real food unprocessed form of them, I think is, Mm -hmm. is the big picture.
2: Yeah. And the thing of like, it's a lot of work to get nuts out of a shell yep. and, um, you wouldn't just be sitting and eating them nonstop right. with your hand on the desk, you know? So thinking back to kind of how nature provides these things will give you guidance on how much of them you should have. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> we have pecan trees
1: in our, our yard now in Austin and it is a lot of work to just get them out of the shell. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. All right. Let's hit on that okay. third thing. Yes. Um, So the third one, and you guys have heard us talk about this before, but we just want to harp on non-caloric sweeteners a little bit because they just continue to be a really big trend, um, especially in the keto space. And I think that also ties in when we're talking about ultra processed foods and especially things like erythritol continuing to be, you know, a, a big seller and end up in a lot of products.
2: Yeah, I would say if y'all missed it, definitely go on over to the Naturally Nourished YouTube channel mm-hmm. and check out our episode on what is a whole food and why non-caloric sweeteners suck. <laughs> uh, we really break down the top five, I believe, reasons why we don't use them in our household. And it's, just, it's, it's again and again and again. But I mean, the, the big things, then we have past episodes as well, episode 89 and episode 119, also on non-caloric sweeteners. Um, my first one that i'll break down is just that you know it's it's not a whole real food so we touched on in that video becky even if doing like a green stevia leaf which is the only exception of that idea of you can imagine it growing all of its edible parts are still intact uh you know not much has been done since harvest right so when we're comparing something like a date which you can peel open and it has its pit intact like that you can absolutely imagine growing and all of its edible parts are intact you're just removing that inedible pit um, or doing something like uh, juicing a whole orange you know at that point you're losing some of that whole food because you don't have the fiber and the soluble fiber and that white furry pit which has a lot of interesting like nobelin antioxidant in there so we prefer you to eat the whole orange versus juicing an orange right so there's all that kind of idea. If we're talking about non-caloric sweeteners and we're talking about things like erythritol again that goes back to that breaking bad lab that you're taking corn into a white odorless perfectly chemically structured powder it just is not natural it's not a whole food so let's talk about green stevia leaves becky like what is our thought on that because that would be the person saying well i grew my stevia in my windowsill how do i how does this not a whole real food I mean, it would be a better
1: option in that kind of whole green leaf form. And then we would, you know, grind that into a powder and and utilize it. And then you're getting some of those bitter and astringent compounds that are
2: removed whenever you buy the products off of the shelf. Or Rev A. Right, right, right. Right. Mm So I think that that's important to note. So the green leaf itself would be fine, and that would count as the whole food. And I think the amount of frequency of use of that that green leaf, like maybe um, I have a client in my keto group actually that does a lemonade. Okay. And so she uses the green leaf with fresh lemons and a little bit of raw and filtered honey. So she gets the you know pollen to support allergies, but yet she still keeps it kind of like a keto electrolyte electrolyte balancer. And I think that that works great in that avenue. Sure. But the reality, like Becky's saying, is to use. Is a sweetener in baked goods, right. not going to happen because the bitter alkaloids in the plant. So it is going to be quite refined to remove that. And also for looking at like stevia packs, again, we're getting back to that kind of how do you turn a green leaf into a white powder? So the first reason overall is not yep. a whole real food. Yep. The second reason, let's talk about the gut microbial and the impact on our probiotics and how non-caloric sweeteners can actually be bacteriostatic so they can sterilize the microbiome.
1: Yeah, there's some interesting new research, um, and we'll link some of this, but seeing that daily consumption of non-caloric sweeteners is correlated with deviation from what they're calling normbiosis or your normal, you know, gut, uh, bacterial balance and, and, um, driving higher levels of dysbiosis as well as lower levels of butyrate, which we know to be protective against colon cancer totally, and manufactured by the good bugs, namely lactobacillus and bifidobacteria in our gut.
2: And that could even be a mechanism, you know, we've, Seen study after study show that non nutritive sweeteners or non caloric sweeteners actually increase obesity. Mm-hmm. And that could be one of the influences because, you know, butyrate and propionate, these short chain fatty acids in our colon, have anti obesogenic effects. So they can actually stimulate the release of glucagon-like peptide, which has an influence on the mucosal um, endocrine, enteroendocrine cells. So there's a connection to how our body releases insulin, and that's usually the third reason. I, I've never connected it to the gut, But what I usually state is that we have also GLP, so glucagon-like peptide receptors on our tongue. So when we taste sweet, we actually do have an enteroendocrine connection where we will have insulin release. And this is why some people with non-caloric sweeteners go hypoglycemic, Mm -hmm. because their body actually puts out insulin to that diet soda, whether it's Zevia, right, or Diet Coke, or it's you know your keto bar that has erythritol in it, your body from that sweet taste is going to release that insulin and that can interfere with blood sugar regulation. So that would, I would say the the third reason. Yeah.
1: And then I think appetite regulation is is a really big one. And, you know, ultimately you say not breaking up with sugar because you're always going to be, you know, seeking that sweet taste. And in a lot of these cases, these non-nutritive sweeteners are ultra sweet and you're using like cups and cups of them in some of these recipes that, you know, call for swerve or Um, erythritol or or monk fruit and whatnot, you're using a a really high amount. And I know for myself, that tastes just like Mm-hmm. I feel like it makes my hair stand up on my arms. It's just really, really sweet.
2: Yeah, that hyper palatability mm-hmm. can definitely interfere with resetting your palate. And y'all know that I'm a huge proponent of channeling savory. And I think that's one of the biggest feedbacks we get from our keto members, Becky, is that they really feel and experience that food freedom and loss of cravings for the first time in such a long time because we teach them that principle of channeling savory and then using whole real food sweeteners within their metabolic flexibility just like we do with all of the baked foods in the anti-anxiety diet cookbook and pretty much everything on the naturally nourished blog so i highly i hope that this allowed you guys enough food for thought on three things that would destroy your health again Analog products, especially cell-cultured proteins, uh, please don't go there. Secondary is those inflammatory industrialized polyunsaturated fats, especially those omega-6 linoleic acids. And the third thing to stay clear of is those non-caloric sweeteners. You heard it here again and again on the Naturally Nourished podcast. We hope that you will all join us and grab a spot in this January 6th launch of the 12-week Food is Medicine Ketosis class. Thanks always for listening, and if you love what we're putting down, take a moment to go on over to where you're listening to and leave us a five-star review with a sentence or two. It means a lot, and if you're not staying connected with me on my newsletter, go on over to allymillerrd.com, click on the uh, footer, and you can sign up. You'll get a two-week functional food plan, as well as you'll get into our weekly releases of unfiltered content to keep you all empowered and informed.